In a few short minutes, the lights will be lowered, space will darken, and then one by one, it will be re-illuminated by the lights that you hold in your hands. Each of your candles will originate here at the Christ candle, symbolizing that Christ is our truest source of light, our point of origin. There will be a moment of darkness, but little by little, the space around you will begin to brighten. You might even feel the warmth from your flame or the flame next to you. I pray you don't feel the flame or it's waxed too well or we'll all be shouting Methodists. <laughs> but you get the idea. Christ has come. Darkness does not last. The cold is only temporary. And together, our light can illuminate a vast void. I've often envied those who are seated in the balcony for this particular service. They have a unique vantage point. You're able to see the flame strike an unlit wick, and little by little, the sea of hope begins to rise. The light tonight will pass from person to person, from parent to child, from grandparent to grandparent, from stranger to stranger, from friend to foe, from saint to sinner. You have to figure out who's who in that one, too. <laughs> All the while, we're singing Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm. All is bright. With the heavenly host, we sing Alleluia. Wondrous star, lend thy light. With the angels, let us sing Alleluia to our King. Christ the Savior is born. And the thing about light, as I've been thinking about this moment, is that if we'll receive it and if we'll pass it, it, it doesn't care who you are or where you've been or what you've done or if you have everything all figured out in life or if nothing in life really makes sense. Light just comes for you to brighten your space to bring a little warmth. It comes for all of us, to all of us, and is with all of us. And by the end of the service, there is only one voice and one collective light piercing the darkness. And in that moment, friends, we know that we're back home for Christmas. It's almost as if we have been drawn here tonight following our own star from the east, one that guides us to our church family. It's like sunflowers, you know, they bend toward the light. We bend toward the light. We bend toward our church family. We bend in the direction of hope, and we are here because the manger is calling us back once again. But like the manger scene, about which we just read, there's an impoverished family surrounded by livestock. And the Son of God was placed in a feeding trough. And when we think about that, Christmas can have this cognitive dissonance. What does it mean that the Son of God would choose to enter this world without any pomp or any procession, but 
but through a teenage woman somewhere in the middle of Israel-Palestine. It's baffling, really. So, too, are many of the emotions in our pews tonight. I understand that. Many of you here tonight are not holly and jolly. This is not a joyful time for everyone. Many tonight would give anything to have your loved one standing beside you for one more Christmas Eve service. And I want you to hear me say tonight that for unto you is born a Savior to bring comfort. So we raise our candles for you tonight. Many tonight have returned after two years of social distancing and concern about regathering and worship. And I want to say to you, for unto you is born this night a Christ child who more than anything else will say in his ministry, do not be afraid. I am with you even to the ends of the earth. And so we raise our candles tonight in celebration that you have returned home to First United Methodist Church. Others here are in this church for the very first time and with great joy, let me say, for unto you has been born a Savior who brings meaning and purpose and helps fill up so many holes that we find ourselves in in life. And we raise our candles for you tonight with the light of peace that we are not whole without you. Bishop Duffy, who served this church and was elected bishop, he used to say, if you think the sanctuary is beautiful, wait until you meet the people. So true. Thank you for being here tonight as our guests. Even still, many of you are feeling the anxiety and the stress and the discord that awaits this Christmas like it has so many Christmases in the past. We are overspent on credit with no money in the bank and the baking marathon is far from over, amen? Yeah, some of you know. We've made a mess of Christmas. We have allowed ourselves to work too many hours and to run frantically around the city in search of the perfect gift or the final gift. <laughs> some of you just realized that tonight's Christmas Eve and stores are now closed. <laughs> we light a special candle for you and we have extra poinsettias that you can take and wrap them in extra Lessons and Carols bulletins if that'll get you out of trouble. Hmm. For those who are watching from home right now, wishing you could be here or in an assisted living center or anywhere in the country or on a different continent, we light a candle for you as well. For it is the power of Christ alone that binds us all together. We light our candles tonight because hope has come and peace will prevail. And as the song says, love came down at Christmas. Everything else with which we struggle or stress has been led to a manger tonight. And that darkness will give way to the unconditional love of Christ. Some of you are familiar most of you are familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. We call it the love chapter. If I speak of tongues of angels, but have not love, I'm like a bunch of clanging gongs. You know that? Well, I found a rewrite, a Christmas rewrite of that. It says this. If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights and shiny balls, but have not love, I'm just another decorator. 
If I slave away in the kitchen baking dozens of Christmas cookies, prepare gourmet meals, and arrange a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not have love, I'm just another cook. If I work at a soup kitchen or carol in a nursing home and give all that I have to charity but have not love, it profits me nothing. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes, attend a myriad of holiday and Sunday school parties and even sing in the lessons and carols program but do not focus on Christ, I have missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug a child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss the spouse. Love is kind, though harried and tired. Love does not envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens to match. Love does not yell at the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful they are there to be in the way. Love does not give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who cannot give in return. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Toys will break. Pearl necklaces will be lost. Golf clubs will rust. But giving the gift of love will endure forever. And so on this night, for this precious moment of being together in this holy space, we lay aside all else that causes darkness and pain and confusion and dissonance. We lay it aside for a moment to celebrate that amid all of the world's chaos, anxiety, political tensions, financial strains, global fears, localized family dynamics against all other distractions, love came anyway. Christ came for you anyway. It's here tonight, just as he promised, breaking into our lives in the form of an infant child. It's been a while since I had an infant child of my own, but boy, do I love to hold babies every chance I get. They require constant attention. They must be routinely fed and then routinely changed. Their safety relies on us caring for their needs. They are much more prone to illness until their immune systems strengthen. Infants require touch and verbal affirmation that we're right here with them, not leaving them alone. We bundle them up so they won't catch a cold. We're constantly checking their ears and seeing if they're cutting teeth. Their only form of communication is crying when something hurts. And for as much as infants rely on us, we really rely on them to teach us that every life is a miracle. And that we all enter this world in total vulnerability and with complete innocence. We also know that everything is out in front of a child. The future is wide open. Christ came as an infant to give us a future that's packaged with so many possibilities and wrapped in such hope. So we're here tonight, and we, we know that we learn things like stress and consumerism and distrust and, and prejudice and all these different things. We learn all of that, but we didn't start out that way. So there's a layer to this familiar story that's a reminder from God that God chose to enter our human story as a newborn, maybe as an attention getter, that infancy just might be the closest we ever are to the kingdom of God. 
Christmas is our chance at rebirth and new starts and a future with purpose. Perhaps Christmas, my friends, is a call that Christ is teaching us what it means to be human, to be vulnerable, to trust one another, to learn how to trust one another all over again, to feed one another, to care for the illnesses of others, to resist the temptation to have more than we need, and that it's okay to cry when things hurt. And for all of the ways that we do just the opposite, Christ comes anyway. Despite the darkness, He comes to us. Despite the divisions, He comes anyway. Despite our effort to say we don't need help in this world, He comes anyway. Despite our best attempts to assume God's throne and to judge, He comes anyway. Despite our penchant for saying that we have everything figured out, He comes anyway. Despite the anxiety of feeling that we don't have anything figured out and that we're probably not worthy enough, He comes anyway. Into a cold, dark cave, Jesus was born because sometimes that's where we find ourselves. Sometimes that's where we find ourselves in the cold and in the dark and in the questions. So the light entered that part of our story. And 33 years later, when Christ would not be laid in a manger, but in a tomb, the place where we deserve to be, we remember on this night that from both places of rest, he would rise and bring the light of a new day to our story. The light is coming your way now. But I want to remind you that it's not solely your light. It's up to you whether you receive it or not. I hope you will. It's intended to be shared with someone next to you. Receive it and then you share it. My Christmas prayer for you, family, is that you will receive the light of Christ as a sign that you are loved and that you are forgiven and that you are worthy and that you belong here and you are a child of God and you have a purpose in this world. The passing of the light its kind of an acceptance of God's grace at work in our lives. It's an act of wonder. It's an act of resisting darkness. It's an act of proclamation that he appeared and the soul felt its worth. It's an act of stepping into a future together with God and with one another. It's a sign of joy. It's a sign of hope. It's a sign of peace for which the world desperately awaits. So I invite you to receive the light and to share the light and to be the light. God is with us. Welcome home. Merry Christmas.